Volatility, volatility, volatility. The lowest bond market rates most have ever seen. Historic lows in the bond market. We'll talk about that. So much volatility that Jamie Dimon had a heart attack. Nothing to joke about, though I believe Mr. Hodge is not as sympathetic as I may be, judging by his Twitter response. We're going to talk coronavirus, um, the impacts there. A lot to get to. The Dems are down to Biden and Sanders. We'll talk Mike Bloomberg. I am Gerardo Del Real coming to you from Texas, along with my co-host, the paranoid newsletter writer himself, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 60 of Bizarro World. How is my favorite paranoid newsletter writer? I learned this week that Tejas was Spanish for Texas, courtesy <laughs> of Mike Bloomberg. And so just feeling just uber enlightened. Nothing like rich Caucasian billionaires breaking it down a bit, right? Hola, Gerardo. Hola, Senor Hodge. All jokes aside, I called you my favorite paranoid newsletter writer. I am, of course, making reference to some comments that were made on Twitter by another newsletter writer in regards to your cancellation of your PDAC speech. Um, I wanted to give you a moment to just opine if you cared to. If you don't, I'll give my two cents. I get the feeling that it's going to be a very similar response. But of course, uh, the table is yours. The floor is yours if you'd like to opine you know forgiveness and apologies are great moral cleansers <laughs> and um i i forgive mickey for calling me a, a paranoid writer and saying that it was shameful that i didn't attend pdac out of coronavirus fears and also mickey i apologize for saying that you had no loved ones as well to consider uh feeling really cleansed now so um no, I think that attendance was down a couple of thousand people. Several companies did not go to PDAC. Um, I don't regret my decision not to go since um, I made that decision. Multiple U.S. states have declared states of emergency. Uh, multiple large conventions, uh, corporate conferences, exhibitions, etc., have been canceled. Um Gosh, the airlines are offering free, uh, you know, fare changes. Uh, they're estimating that, you know, internal domestic travel is is way down. This thing has clearly impacted the market. Um, the deaths are mounting, especially among old people. There was a cluster here in Washington. And so, um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about and we'll peel it back. I'm not going to talk forever, but... Um, I guess being in Washington gave me somewhat of a unique perspective in that it really has turned out to be ground zero for the for the U.S. Um, side of things for this coronavirus. And so I saw what was happening in real time. I, I could sense that it was bigger than they were letting on, that more people were clearly infected. And I wasn't getting separated during my family uh, during a time like that, especially when, you know, states of emergency are being declared and, and quarantines are being used, et cetera. And so. Now they're showing up on the East Coast, as you know, uh, mm -hmm. Angel Publishing, which I run a division for, has uh, their offices in Baltimore, Maryland. And it's sort of like, I feel like I've been living with coronavirus for a year already, but it's only been a couple of weeks. And it's just now showing up in, you know, uh, today in Maryland, the other day in, in New York State, for example. And so it's really early days uh, for this. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I called Mr. Moriarty out by name the other day in my letter. I, I'm not saying millions of people are going to die. I don't think 
you know, a third of the African continent is going to perish. But I do think there's going to be uh, significant supply chain impacts, significant declines in expected um, revenue and earnings, some of which we're already seeing cut, you know, uh, the visas and the MasterCards and certainly like the airlines of the world, right? Um, and clearly it's caused chaos in the, the markets. I don't think anybody has a really good handle on what's going on. Uh, gold has had moved like hundreds of dollars in a matter of days. And I know you've talked a lot about the coming volatility for mm-hmm. you know, expect $50 moves in the gold. So you can talk about that. And um, a lot of deer and headlights out there from where I sit just opens and clicks and buys um, even stuff that should be working like um, coronavirus themed promotions and uh, fear-based promotions uh, about financial chaos and and gold um, are doing well. And, and that's typical when we have the volatility that we're, that we're seeing now, people get sort of frozen and I'm going to shut up now, I promise. But one thing I want to get out before we get into a broader discussion is that like you don't really have to act right now if you were prepared and you, you sort of sense some of this coming. Um, a, a portion of your portfolio hopefully is positioned to profit from the things that do well and are starting to do well now in an environment like this. And so, you know, I had to catch myself a couple of times this week transferring money into certain accounts and getting ready to buy things. And I was like, you know what, Nick, like you're you're pretty well positioned, like you've seen this coming for a long time. Don't go, you know, like moving around a bunch of money now, like keep some dry powder because I'm not really sure how this is going to turn out over the coming weeks. Um, and that's to both sides, right? That's to like the precious metals and the broader equity side, right? Because Disney's already shed a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's going to be some buying opportunities, I think, on the on the on the on the mainstream side of this as well. And so anyway, that's a, that's some thoughts we can go from there. Yeah, let, let, let's uh, there were a couple of points there that I want to touch on. Mickey, of course, is somebody that both you and I are friendly with. So I thought I thought the comment was an interesting comment made. And, uh, you know, that, that that is what it is. I think that. You know, in fairness to Mickey, the comment was made before the escalation, and this speaks to you kind of seeing it in real time there in Washington. Um, Before it escalated, you know, now we're at the point where it's um, over 100,000 cases worldwide. Um, The number of cases in New York, which of course is a dense uh, concentration of people, has increased to 33. There's a cruise ship that's quarantined quarantined off the California coast, um, and the University of Washington announced that it will... Go ahead and shut her classrooms through March the 20th, according to the Washington Post. So there is definitely a reason to be concerned. Um, you mentioned Mr. Moriarty, Bob Moriarty, and, and you know his call. And I, I, I thought the response he gave the gentleman that was interviewing him was appropriate. Um, he, was, he was asked if he was being paranoid. And he said, well, I'm 73. I need to be paranoid. And I saw... You know, if you, I saw a chart earlier this week that showed, you know, who's dying basically. And Mr. Moriarty is absolutely correct, whether I agree or disagree. And I do disagree that, you know, and I hope I'm right that this is going to, you know, kill off a third of the African continent. Um, He should be worried. He is exactly um, the type of individual that should be prepared and cautious and, 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 you know, paranoid as the interviewer suggested because that's who it's going after for the most part right oh i mean for sure there was a a lot of clicks to be had there and you can see it in the in the in the broader media as well but like you say certainly hoping it, it doesn't turn out that bad and i saw the same chart 
you saw, right, Mr. Moriarty, uh, being as old as he is, right, is in the uh, firmly in the demographic that is being most impacted by this. And I'm sure we're going to get to it, but the government, our government, the U.S. Oh. government, the Trump administration isn't doing any favors when it comes to the paranoia and um, the bad media that's surrounding this because the response has been, gosh, it's been really bad. And and, and not only has it been you know, really bad specifically to coronavirus, it's not doing Mr. Trump any favors on the electability front either, which we can unpack all that. But where do you want to go? Let's, um, I want to get to the response. Let's get to the response there. Um, there have been several people, um, well-known people on Twitter, one, a reporter for vice news. Um, she had just recently returned from the center of the outbreak in Italy. And she explained (laughs) that she whisked right through customs as fast as she's ever gone through customs, despite the fact that she explained that she was returning from the epicenter of the outbreak in Italy. No screening, no test, no further questions. Just go ahead and go. Um, She is far from the only person that is making statements of this nature. Um, This isn't going to get better anytime soon. It's going to get worse first. I know that... The Senate just voted to approve an $8.3 billion package in emergency spending. It is beyond me. Absolutely not enough. And it is beyond me why um, we can't coordinate on a very basic level with our fucking customs agents at the border. This from an administration that still has kids locked up and separated from their parents at the border. We're able to do that pretty effectively when there's some private profits to be made. And yet we can't pull our heads out of our asses as a country um, to respond appropriately to this. I know you have opinions. I'm dying to hear them. Uh, You being in Washington State, I know that um, there's been a lot of criticism about how it's been handled there by the CDC as well. Uh, And frankly, there's been criticism from a lot of the states, California, uh, New York, Washington State, all the places that are getting hit are complaining about the lack of coordination and competence coming from this administration, um, which, you know, cut back a lot of the funding over a year ago for the group that's supposed to be responding to this. So thoughts on that, Nick? Ah, oh, gosh, I got all mm. kinds of thoughts, Gerardo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll talk markets <laughs> in a minute, to... everybody, but th- th- this is bigger yeah, than markets, we'll right? People are dying. Yeah, people are dying for sure. So I'll start with a story that I read from a Kaiser nurse here in Washington who uh, volunteered to be on a team that was treating an older gentleman who was known to be positively infected with COVID-19 um, who ended up dying. Um, And she had all the protective gear that she was supposed to have as a nurse, but she still thought that she was infected, um, came down with all the symptoms. And as a trained medical professional, thought that she herself was now positive for this uh, novel coronavirus, Uh, told her superiors, told the authorities, um, cannot get tested. The the feds won't give her authority um, or permission to get herself tested and to clearly identify whether or not uh, she's positive for the virus. And so uh, one more quick story, and then I'll give you some thoughts. Um, here in Spokane, we had six people tested last Saturday, um, and they were supposed to give results on Monday. Well, Monday came and no results. Tuesday came and no results. Yesterday came and no results. 
Um, Thursday came and the Spokane Regional Health uh, District still wasn't given results and and people were starting to get pretty angry. I myself called the Spokane Regional Health mm. District to ask why why the results were delayed. <laughs> they probably shouldn't uh, even have spoke to me, but the lady I got through <laughs> to told me they had a which they had speaks a to the fuckery, right? Go ahead. Right, exactly. <laughs> so they had a shipping issue with the sample. They say. Um, and there's a backup at the DOH, the Department of Health, and that's why they weren't able to get results. They did finally get results yesterday. They were all negative. Um, and so no coronavirus in Spokane yet. But just think about the nurse story that I just told and the story that you told about the woman walking through customs and tell me there aren't um, hundreds of people walking around the U.S. spreading this infection that um, aren't getting tested for and the incubation period isn't even over for yet. So some of these people probably aren't even exhibiting systems, right? And that's why uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Okay. Uh, now on to the response. Yep. Last week, we talked about how the response, um, how the government and how the populace respond to big events like this are sort of like what crystallizes how the trajectory forward after the fourth turning. And the response to this, in my mind, has been absolutely uh, botched. Uh, nobody knows how to get tested, like what should be their first call. Um, like you say, we can't organize at um, with our border patrol. People are coming right through customs. And so um, it's it's the first real like test for Trump, right? He hasn't had like a big test, right? Um, and, and he's failing. I mean, clearly it's there's no way to sugarcoat it. And I think a lot of people see that. And so um, I know we wanted to talk about the Democratic side of things, and I'm sure we can, but that's down to two people. And as that happened this week, Trump fell in the election betting odds, the most that I've seen him fall uh, since I've been paying attention for the past two months or whatever to these betting odds. And um, one, sure, it's because Biden has emerged as the front runner on the Democratic side. But two, it's I'm, I'm convinced it's the, it's the botched response to this uh, coronavirus and people don't think that he is equipped to lead and frankly he's not <laughs> where do i start with that he absolutely is not um i want to speak to your point that this is the first time trump has been tested i would i would i would note that the missile strike um in iraq at the u.s base where you know tens of soldiers had uh, Which they lied about. That, that that to me was the first test, and that was the response. They lied. And I believe the only reason that story did not become a bigger story is because of the fact that they were likely told and given orders, the soldiers and the families, um, to deal with it internally. And if you're seeking medical care um, from a government agency, whether it's the military or whoever it is, um, the last thing you're going to do is, is cut your nose to spite your face, right? And I think that's why that stayed quiet. But it spoke to the approach. The same approach was attempted with coronavirus. He went out to a rally and, you know, uh, not, not aware apparently that they record things in 2020 and it shows up in the media. He told the crowd that it was a hoax, you know, and, and I know the context, the spin is going to be is that, and this is how he spun it. He said, no, I meant the, the way the Democrats the are Democratic, framing this yeah. is a hoax. Well, that's not how it was said and that's not how it was framed and i guarantee you that's not how his base um received it and so 
you're not going to be able to lie your way out of this one. The administration and, and the various agencies are going to have to perform. Much like after Katrina, George Bush was not able to bullshit his way out of how incompetent the people he had put in charge were in the response to Katrina. And again, I don't want this to escalate. I would much rather it, um, you know, there's some positive news out of China. The numbers are slowing down a bit. Um, but if you look at the response that was required to slow things down in China and you compare it to what we're doing here, um, I'm not hopeful. I'm not optimistic. Nope. Um, and yeah, you know, I'll leave it at that. The China just reported 143 new cases, 30 new deaths today. Um, but that's a lower number than just a few weeks ago. That's really good news. However, South Korea now has 6,300 cases with 42 deaths. And again, you spoke to outside of the very human cost of, of, of the virus, especially amongst vulnerable older people around the world who have compromised immune systems. Um, there's, there, there's a, 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 an infrastructure issue specifically in this country um, that again, we just haven't addressed. We talked about this since this podcast began um, about how we haven't invested in proper infrastructure to deal with something like this. We're nowhere close. If 20% of people end up wanting to get te tested, um, we, 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 we can't do it. I'll give you an example here in Round Rock in, in Texas, right outside of Austin um, or Texas, as Mr. Te Bloomberg. Te Texas. <laughs> exactly. Here in Texas, as Mr. Bloomberg would say. Um, the, one of the local hospitals, my wife was a director at a local hospital for several years. And, you know, we reached out um, to friendlies at the hospital and said, you know, what, what, what does that look like infrastructure wise? And they said, well, we have 12 beds, give or take two or three, 12 beds um, where we could do a, a, a thorough, proper quarantine. Anything above that, we're fucked, basically. 12. Now, Round Rock is a city of 120,000 people. Austin has over a million. Yes, we have more than one hospital, um, but we don't have that many hospitals. And so, again, what happens if there's, you know, we have South by Southwest, which is a big music, film, uh, business festival here that goes on for weeks. People come from all over the world. That's not being canceled here in Austin. So what happens if all of a sudden we end up with 500 cases or 1,000 cases next week when this starts? We don't have the hospital infrastructure to deal with it. And again, these are very real questions that for the life of me, I can't understand why they aren't being asked. And when they are asked, why they are dismissed as if they were not important. Um, because we're at a state where no one really critical thinks in the state of the media is a circle jerk echo chamber where they read tweets online that are blatantly factually false, like um, <laughs> Bloomberg spending on the campaign is enough to give each American a million dollars and the chick reading it is giggling and Brian Williams is quoting it as Bible, right? It's like, they're just dumb as fuck, Gerardo. And the, and, and the whole network fact-checked this. this. This was put up in a graphic. This wasn't something we all have mental. We have moments. We have mental breaks. We have slips. We have, you know, caught, 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 deer caught in headlights moments. But this wasn't something that just went through one person or two people. Whoever did the graphics and put it up, and they saw it. They saw yep. it. This went out on national television. It's absolute. Um, it's, it's bizarro. It's a bizarro world out there. It is what it is. Should we talk markets for a little bit? 
we should because that that horse is dead and the media it doesn't the coronavirus doesn't fit into one of their partisan political narratives and so they don't know how to handle it and investigate investigative journalism is dead and that's why nobody's asking the questions that's the answer to what you just asked it's a good answer and it's it's and it's very true um despite the volatility this week this is interesting so we saw record lows right in the 10 year it tumbled below 0.7% just a few days ago we were in awe that it 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 well we were not, you and I were not, because we've been expecting this. We didn't know what the Black Swan event would be, uh, but we knew the bond market was going to be where the action was. And, and that certainly has been the case. Um, but we were just all in awe about the fact that it had dropped below 1%, you know, double digits. And here we are a few days later, um, and it dropped below 0.7%. First time ever, ever. And so gold responded well you know i think it closed at the 1665 level if i'm not mistaken um give or take a few bucks bonds the volatility is absolutely insane jeff gunlock was of, of the double tree fund was on cnbc earlier this week um touting gold and 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 you know it's 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 future basically it talked about the fact that his fund and and several people that follow him and this is big money now were were adding to existing positions and so um i've said for a very long time that a small amount of capital fleeing for safety would have a big effect in, uh, on the gold price um and i think we're just getting started and i apologize it wasn't 1665 gold closed at 1672 today but the point remains the same um, small amounts of capital are going to have an outsized effect on gold. And, and you mentioned the volatility. Gold had an hour, two hour period today where it was a $20 moves up and down every other minute. And so there's definitely a lot of scared capital. Scared capital will always go where it's treated best. It's not a coincidence that um, the treasury market is, is, is doing what it's doing. I also don't think it's a coincidence that despite the volatility, um, the Dow was up 1.7% on the week. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ rose 0.6% and 0.1% respectively. So I know it didn't feel that way this week. And I know it's coming off, you know, big losses last week. But there does seem to be some stability to the sell-off, at least here in the U.S., Thoughts on that, Mr. Hodge? Do you do you, does does it feel the same way to you? I, I was surprised, to be honest with you. I didn't I didn't realize that the major indices had had managed to close positive for the week. It does not feel like that, especially because the swings were so wide, right? Multiple thousand point days in either direction, and it's easy to lose track when that happens. Um, where do I want to start? Uh, let me start with the broad market, I guess. So the Dow. Um, if you want to use the Dow, because that has the big point swings that everybody likes to point to, had both its best and worst days since 2008 in the past week. You want me to say that again? Say 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 it, it again. It's like when you're dating a really great, pretty bipolar chick and the sex is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Go from one extreme to the <laughs> other. <laughs> is her name is, is is her name Tina? There is no other option. What are you going to do? You call the bipolar girl when it hits the fan, right? And I joke, everybody, I'm happily married and I'm not speaking on my wife. I'm being funny and sarcastic and flippant. So don't 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 be delicate flowers out there, everybody. Continue. My apologies, I, well, Nick. You were talking about the best and worst, the best and the worst day. Yeah. And somehow bipolar chicks popped into my head. 
So the so the volatility is here when you have the best and worst days since the last financial crisis. Um, you know that's not normal, right? Like nope. the the TSX shutting down last week, like that's out of the ordinary. Um, the ten year, as you say, going uh, below uh, one. Obviously, that's out of the ordinary because it's never fucking happened before. But not only that, um, it just kept going lower, right? Eight point eight point seven. Six, right? And then so, like you said today, it was a 0.6, right? And so uh, falling very fast. Gold, similar thing. Gold has lost 100 bucks and gained 100 bucks um, in the past like week and a day since February 27th. Went from over 1680 to 1560 um, and then back up to, to 1680. And now where you say today it's 1672. And I would note, um, Gosh, I'm no technician, but this little uh, one month chart I'm looking at shows me that um, we're looking at an inverse head and shoulders here. And, and gold mm. needs to, to put up or sh- put up or shut up at the 1680, 85 level pretty soon. You got um, it. I just have I just happen to notice that right now. You got um, it. Yep. And um, well, that's that that's about it. It's a uh, it's a lot of money flows. There's a lot of capital flowing around looking for homes, um, unprecedented events going on, uh, refinance applications. I saw this week mortgage refinance applications were up 224 percent year over year on the week um, with uh, 15 year rates. You can lock in at like two and three quarters percent, 2.75 percent, um, really, really cheap money for for mortgages. And so there's a lot going on out there. I don't uh, pretend to see it all, know it all or understand it all. But those are some of the things I'm looking at and seeing. Yeah. Let's talk about um, mortgage rates versus real rates, right? The 30 year um, continues to be the 30 year fix if you're looking for a mortgage and, and and I'm speaking from experience here because I you know I I I have several properties and and a couple of those properties um I'm looking to refinance because the rates are so low. However, the spread between rates um <laughs> in 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 the 10 year which is at you know 0.7 something um and rates for borrowers are are not what they should be. The 30 year right now it's at 1. Two nine five percent. You, if you have excellent credit, you're borrowing at three or three and a quarter. Three percent, right? Yeah. So you know, I I see the White House hinting um, on my screen here. They're hinting at possible economic stimulus. I know this won't happen because it's stock market and bankers before everyone else. But it would be nice if the administration reached out to the banks and mandated or or strongly encouraged um, the lending to be on par with what real rates are now because it's not translating into the mortgage market. Yes, rates are coming down, but not at the pace that they're coming down in the treasury market. No, and you know, I I text you um a text my my godfather slash uncle sent me this week who's been in the mortgage industry for for 25 years. And so I've been talking to to him and yeah, there's a discrepancy there, certainly with like credit card rates as well, right? Which are much, much, much higher. And so um, I'm not sure what the administration can do, can do, but I've heard, you know, last week we were talking about um, uh, like a stimulus to buy stocks, right? Like a tax, the tax cut for, for owning stocks. And now I've heard about like direct stimulus. We're talking about helicopter um, money again, and at the same time, you wonder if people are going to be too scared to to buy their first house anyway. So like you say, it's only going to 
um, really flow to the bottom line of those that already have houses and decent credit, right? Um, but I'm not a credit expert, so I'd be interested in finding someone who can explain why those treasury rates are falling so fast and, and why the mortgage rates don't fall um, commensurately with them. I would love to have an expert uh, come on and brief us. I am by far no expert, but I can tell you that behind the scenes, I suspect, and this goes back to what I said was going to be the four-letter word that was going to dominate 2020, repo, R-E-P-O. I suspect that the Fed's biggest fear is another spike in short-term rates, which is why, and we haven't even talked about this. This is, you know, this speaks to the volatility this week, a 50 basis point cut by the Fed. I believe that was inspired by the behind the scenes action in the bond market. Um, Overnight lending, banks are not trusting other banks to lend. The Fed is having to step in. I believe it's stepping in to keep those short-term rates low because if we have another spike from 2 to 10% and it's not contained in a day the way it was last time amidst this coronavirus panic, um, it's going to be a clear sign to everybody that central bankers have lost control. We know that's the direction it's going in, but right now I believe there's still some faith that the Fed here in the U.S. can 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 pacify um, the, the markets with record stimulus, which is what I think is coming. Um, I think, again, it speaks to just how crazy the times are that there was an emergency cut, 50 basis point cut, and it took us, you know, nearly 30 minutes to get into it. That was just earlier this week. And now the, 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 the betting favorites say that there's likely to be another possibly another one in March, another one in March on the 18th. They're saying maybe another three quarters of a point on top of the 0.5 that was just cut. We're talking potentially. I thought I was reading it wrong. It's insane. I had to triple check it. I had to triple yeah. check it. I mean, it's truly unprecedented what is going on. And and I think your advice for people to keep some powder dry is is wise. I would absolutely encourage anybody out there that's got property. If you have an interest rate more than four and a quarter on anything, um, and and your credit's all right reach out to a mortgage professional and, and and see what rates look like and see if there's an opportunity there. Um, because again, these, the, these rates are historic lows. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's madness. Agree. All right. Let's talk about the Dems. We're down to two Biden and Sanders. Um, you're who, forgetting where there's three, there's three. Who's the third? Tulsi's still in Jordan. <laughs> Tulsi is still in. <laughs> Like I was saying, there's two. So we have Mr. Biden and we have Mr. Sanders. We said at the very beginning of this election cycle that if Sanders emerged as the likely candidate, um, the Democrats, forget the Republicans, the Democrats would do everything in their power to make sure that didn't happen. And oh man, did the endorsements all come in on cue the morning of Super Tuesday and the night before for Mr. Biden. That was something, huh? It all fell into order um, too quickly and too perfectly for it not to have been orchestrated from someone or some entity higher up, right? Um, yeah, um, Klobuchar out, uh, Buttigieg uh, out and endorsing um, Biden, right? Taken down. You know, uh, uh, Sanders was supposed to win Tejas, man, and he ended up losing to, to Biden. 
Uh, After Beto so endorsed Biden, yep. That's right. Beto came out and endorsed uh, Biden as well. And so you saw, I'll go talk about those the betting markets again, where Bernie was the clear favorite in like a matter of 36 hours. Um, and I can pull that up real quick to see what Biden is at now. But in a matter of like 36 hours, Sanders went from a 50% plus favorite um, to Biden. Biden, I'm looking at it right now, is an 86.7% favorite to win the Democratic nomination. And Bernie Sanders is 7.8%. When a week ago, less than a week ago, Bernie Sanders was the majority. And it's just as you say, um, everybody bowed out and endorsed him uh, just in time. So uh, Mr. Sanders couldn't cement uh, a far enough lead that he could not be called. And um, there's all sorts of infighting that has emerged around this. I know one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Donna Brazil, right? Mm, um, go to hell. Is, <laughs> go to hell, Donna Brazil says. Um, so she's, um, Donna Brazil is a Democrat, a Democratic uh, strategist, has been for a, a long time. And she was on a news show this week and uh the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee said what we just said. Y'all guys just fixed this in favor of Biden to squash Bernie's chances of winning. And Donna Brazil said, you can go to hell. Stay out of our party. You can go to hell. And, the, and <laughs> that's how it went. And, <laughs> that's how it went. And the, the, the host tried to correct her, like, slow her down. And she was like, no, go to hell. And um, so, but... It, and so you only have to look back to the last election when Donna Brazil herself was spilling all the beans about how they did this very same thing in favor of Hillary. And now she's upset because someone from the other side is saying the very thing that she said herself four fucking years ago. So Donna Brazil, you know, Go shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. This is all, it's just one giant political theater. And if you can't see that, then you have, gosh, I feel sorry for I believe, um, and this is something Martin Armstrong, who I read often, um, is I, you know, he 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 called this a while back. But I believe this election cycle is is the beginning of the end for the Democratic Party as we know it, as we know it. I think, um, and, and I think it's overdue. And as somebody who agrees with socially, anyway, um, some of the Dems' policies, you know, fiscally. I, I lean more traditional Republican gun rights, traditional Republican or libertarian. But, you know, on some social issues, I, I, I definitely have uh, some leanings uh, on the left side. Right. And so I welcome a teardown of a party that is as hypocritical as the right is. Um, and I think it's time. And I think, you know, there's some young people within that party um, that are polarizing the AOCs of the world. Um, the Julian Castro's of the world that have a lot to offer. Um, and, and I think it's, it's time to get done with um, the old guard and the old guard um, just has to go. And I think Biden getting his ass handed to him by Trump, which is exactly what I think is going to happen um, yep. re regardless of what happens with coronavirus, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I think it'll be the final, the, the, the final straw. I, I think people will realize this this isn't it. This isn't it. We thought we had it in 2016 with Hillary. We we messed that up. 
we thought we had in 2020 with the stock market pulling back and coronavirus and we had an opportunity that that didn't get it done. And, you know, I hope the Republicans do an about face, too, because the bottom line is, you know, that party has just gotten in line behind Mr. Trump and decided they're going to kiss his ass all the way to a second term. And, you know, that 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 doesn't help uh, even the constituency. Right. The Republican voters that are that are suffering. I mean, there's there's unless you're wealthy, um, it's still tough out there for a lot of people. And there's not being done. There's not a lot being done by the right either for those people. And so, you know, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump, the better off amongst us are going to get tax cuts. The better off amongst us are going to get, you know, a stock market that's artificially propelled and propped up. Um, Everybody else is really going to have to work for it. And it was really interesting to me this week, coming back to the coronavirus um, panic that's going on seeing a couple of traditionally Republican leaning people really start talking about how it'd be nice if we had healthcare uh, for all. Yeah. Ah, now we want free testing. Now healthcare for all makes sense. But despite that, they won't vote for it. We get the Republic. We deserve people as a society, as a collective. And, um, it is what it is, right? In the words of, uh, Mr. Pesci and and in the Irishman, it is what it is. Um, look, Biden doesn't really have a, a great shot, and I'll talk about that in one second. But you're going to get a really good crop of candidates in 2024 on both sides, I think. Agreed. Um, and we're not we're not going to go into the the fourth turning because we did that last week. But for a lot of reasons, you're going to get a good crop of candidates in four years, and the next four years are just going to suck. Um, and to Biden, um, you watch, I've been saying this already, but you watch as there's fewer people on the stage and he gets a larger percentage of the, uh, spotlight to himself, his, um, the degenerative state of his brain, his capacity to, um, think quickly and clearly and articulate that are going to come increasingly under fire. I could see it the other night. Even when he was reading off a teleprompter on Super Tuesday, he couldn't keep it together. There's just going to simply be too many moments between now and November when Mr. Biden is not going to have a teleprompter and he's going to tr- he's going to show the United States um, really what's going on inside his head. And it, it's not coherent. I'm not saying he's not a good guy. I'm not saying he doesn't have great intentions. I'm not saying he hasn't been and isn't still a good politician. I'm saying he is not electable because of that. I agree. I mean, if you watched uh, the speech there, he he confused his wife for his sister and looked puzzled. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. I mean, it's, you know, Mr. Biden's time to be president, an effective president, a coherent president, um, I think has passed. Um, unfortunately, the alternative is you're going to get... <laughs> A president that isn't very much more coherent, though he plays it off a whole lot better. But he's incumbent and has already run. Joe, Joe Biden has run for president three times in Tuesday. This Tuesday was the first primary he's ever won. Correct. Correct. So I think, you know, the writing's on the wall. If, if you want to really simplify where this is going, that's where it's going, everybody. Um, oil was down almost 10% today, Nick. We haven't even talked about that. Again, speaking to how bizarre the world is right now. 10% move. In one day, um, people are speculating that U.S. benchmark prices could fall towards the $30 level. Um, Closed at $41.53 today. This after OPEC (laughs) 
had what one of the members called the worst meeting in the history of OPEC as Russia rejected a plan for additional output cuts. It's, 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 again, I hate to bring it back up. We, we, we went at length last week about the fourth turning, but you're seeing it in all the major institutions simultaneously. Um, I don't know how much more we can continue to highlight um, the massive change that is happening. I don't know if it's like a, 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 a big, massive ship, you know, making a U-turn at sea where it's so slow and subtle that you don't really realize what's happening. But it's happening, people. And I hope uh, I, I hope that everybody is, is, is paying a little bit of attention. And, and if you're not, I hope you start to and prepare accordingly because, again, these things don't happen calmly. And I think that, I, yeah, go ahead, Nick. No, people see it. I mean, um, I've, in the past week, I've started seeing more articles about how um, like doomsday prepping is coming back into fashion and, you know, billionaire bunkers are having record sales. And, <laughs> billionaire bunkers. Um, you fancy the, guy, you. <laughs> the, the New York Times had an article this week about um, this camp that you can go to here in Washington state where uh, they teach you to live entirely off the land. And um, I'm just going to talk about this for a second because I found it interesting. This lady here runs... Um, a rewilding property. And so her vision is to um, have this big ground, a couple of hundred thousand acres, that's like this new commune where anyone can come and join, but you um, walk in naked and you have to live off the land. And it's called rewilding. Um, And she thinks that in a couple of generations, you know, there'll be completely wild humans living on this property. But in the meantime, of course, she tells she sells classes to rich people about how to live off the land. <laughs> um, and so there's gonna be bipolar the, people everywhere. <laughs> that's funny. And so, you know, Apple Apple um not executives, but higher ups at Apple and Google and people from Silicon Valley are coming to this camp paying this lady to take these classes how to you know, tan a deer hide with acid you make from tree bark and Hmm. um, whatever, how to build a tent and how to filter water, you know, all this stuff. Um, And this one guy is saying, sorry, I found this article fascinating. No, this this is fascinating. This might come in handy. This one one guy was saying that um, he and his other Silicon Valley buddies who have been going, learning from this lady, they plan on doing this in the um, uh, mountains in California. Right, the Sierra Nevadas, they they're, they bought a big plot of land and they plan on rewilding themselves. These are like Silicon Valley tech guys, right? Um, and so you talk about every uh, big institutions being in crisis and you know people looking at the other side of this thing. People definitely see it. Certainly, Silicon Valley types. It was a um, a college friend of mine, a New York ad salesperson, who sent me this article saying. You know, we don't talk all the time, but she was saying you were a few years ahead of the game. You're already out in Washington State mm. with your property, right? Mm. So people in New York are starting to wonder now. Like I've seen the tweets like, oh, man, there's like 13 million people around. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. There's 13 million people around. Um, anyway, and so I don't even know what we were talking about. But yes, it's a fourth turning and you can see it and how people are trying to escape from the system through things um, as mundane as rewilding stories in the New York Times. Do you think you'll be able to wear sexy Vixen vinyl at one of these places? 
Um, you know, it could be uh, like venison vinyl from my own land. I'll do like a like a venison uh, patent leather patent leather um, corset. And I, of course, bring up sexy vixen vinyl because of um, Brit Hume's actually a preference, I guess, for uh, for for outfits. Right. And hey, kudos to him. Hey, I don't knock anybody's kinks as long as you're not intruding on no one else. Um, let your freak flag fly. Right. Uh, you want to provide some hey. context there, Nick? I know you caught that earlier this week. I thought it was hilarious. Hey, I don't care what you do in, in your in your personal sexy time, but. If you if you tweet it out publicly, uh, you're putting yourself in the public realm to be made fun of for it. And so um, Britt Hume, who is a Fox News anchor on Super Tuesday, took a screenshot of his computer, sort of like I was just talking <laughs> about the election odds. That's what he was talking about. And he took a screenshot um, so he could tweet out the, the current election odds, except that in, instead of just taking a screenshot of the election odds, he got the whole browser. So you could see the tabs that he had open at the top. I don't know if you're a multiple tab browser, Gerardo. I'm a multiple tab guy. So I am indeed um, I with exactly. both hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Britt was just grabbing those tabs with two hands. I'm anyway. a mouse and a keyboard. <laughs> so obviously in the age of social media, this uh, image gets instantly analyzed and people start looking at what other tabs this Fox News anchor uh, has opened. And, um, you know, he's, he's got it. He's got his bank account open. SunTrust is one of the tabs. And there's a couple of other news tabs. What about the coronavirus? And then there's one tab that says sexy vixen vinyl. <laughs> and it didn't take long for the Internet to figure out what exactly the sexy vixen vinyl tab was for. <laughs> what was one it for, Google Nick? Search, one Google search will lead you to a page for sexy vixen vinyl which is indeed a pleather outfit, sexy time outfit for women um, that Brit Hume was obviously interested in looking at for some reason. Um, now, one, that's fucking funny. It's hilarious. Two, two, this is who millions of people are getting their Super Tuesday news coverage from. He's checking his bank account. He's maybe looking at the election odds and he's also looking up sexy vixen vinyl. So you got one third of this guy's attention, America. That's your news people. <laughs> In fairness to Mr. Hume, his weekends might be funner than everyone else's, right? For all we know. <laughs> uh, and he might be helping spread the coronavirus. He might be helping spread the coronavirus. I want to talk juniors for a second. We've been... Um, We've been, you know, shouting as as loud as we could about um, Arturo Bonilla and Magna Gold, the president and CEO of Magna Gold, and how, you know, he he the last five deposits that that he developed, he was able to put into production, and I've called him the Michael Jordan of the junior resource sector because he was looking for, you know, that six chip, that six ring, um, putting his next deposit into production, and. You know, he one up me. He just went out and negotiated a deal where Magna Gold becomes an immediate producer. And I thought it was extremely ironic that it's one of the properties that he and his team actually put into production in days past, the San Francisco mine in Sonora, Mexico. Um, an absolute 
heck of a deal from the Magna side of it. I know that the San Francisco mind has had some issues. I am of the belief that the issues that have been had at the mine that led to higher cash costs than anticipated were as a result of a management team that wasn't as interested in sticking around for the long haul. Um, that led to a lawsuit um, that is currently pending. And so the deal today where Magna Gold is announcing, has announced the transaction, the acquisition of the San Francisco mine and a, a concurrent private placement, I think it's, you worded it well, transformational in updates, in an update to your subscribers. And that's exactly what it is. It makes Magna an immediate producer. Um, and, and frankly, I think they, 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 they took it for a song. Can, uh, can you provide some context on the terms of the deal so I don't keep ranting? Oh, you know more than I do, but uh, gosh, I just wrote it today. Let me close my eyes and look at the numbers in my brain for a second. 9.74 million shares uh, currently at 40 cents plus $5 million payable over the um, next 12 months or the 12 months after the closing of the transaction, um, which is like, I don't know. I don't remember the exact number, but something like less than $10 million or something, right? Um, uh, for a gosh, where do I want to go for a mine um, that was the flagship uh, asset of a Leo before they bought. And I learned all this today. Like I didn't know any of this. I was just researching today. Um, but a Leo had like an $80 million market cap with this asset um, before they bought the, the Florida Canyon mine from Rypatch Gold. And that's why I think, and I don't know, it sounds like you know more of the backstory, but that's why they took their eye off the San Francisco um, gold mine. Um, and also, uh, the resources at the San Francisco gold mine were calculated mm. at like 12, 1250 gold, right? And we know where the gold price is at now. And we also know that the, um, you know, mineralization is open on trend at depth. There's potential for uh, higher grade stuff below the pit. Um, we know that there's gold on the leach pad there. Leo was expecting to produce 12 to 15 ounces, 15,000 ounces this year. And... Um, gosh, I was just tinkering around with numbers, like adding together market caps and dividing by the share counts and, and, you know, just back of the napkin, what could this <laughs> yep. go to, et cetera, et cetera, when it opens back up in multiple scenarios, I came up with a share price north of a dollar. I don't know if my calculator was broken or not, but at, at the very least, I mean, we're talking 2.3 million ounces across, you know, the, the, the reserve and the measured and indicated categories. I can tell you in my conversations with Arturo Bonillas that he believes the exploration, upside is excellent and he would know because again they are the team that put this into production um here's here's some you know they're, they're, they're gonna raise some money they're gonna raise do a small financing at 35 cents zero warrant still with no warrant yes still with no warrant and i you know i'll speculate that once that transaction is closed and and this acquisition is finalized um i think you're absolutely right you're gonna see much much higher prices um the the the, the cash considerations that they have um, they don't have to actually pay on for 12 months. So what's, what's interesting to me is the cash flow from the gold on the leach pads is going to pay for the acquisition price. For the mine, yeah. For the mine. And Arturo I and his team are- as well, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so Arturo and his team, they're going to come in. Um, I, I have all the faith and, and confidence that they're going to be able to implement um, an operational improvement plan that will significantly reduce- the $1,700 cash costs that Alio um, mentions in, in in their website, I think those are going to be closer to $1,000 per ounce. And again, um, just congratulations to that team on a 
heck of a deal. Heck of a deal. Um, happy to be a shareholder. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to hammer the market cap and the share count too too much, but even at 60 or 70 million market cap with less than 70 million shares out, that's a dollar stock and it's halted right now at 40 cents, right? I mean, it's pretty good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So no, congratulations there. Nick, I can't let you go without your commentary on daylight time. I, I saw you tweeting earlier this week to the beast and the animals that don't get it right. <laughs> can, can, can you explain to us simpletons how we're supposed to act through you daylight savings put, time? You should just do ET and PT and CT all year long, and then you'll never be wrong. Eastern time, central time, Pacific time. Because if you do EST, that means Eastern standard time, which we do in the fall and winter. But this weekend, um, we're all going to fast forward our clocks by an hour and wake up pissed off. And then we'll be in Eastern, well, some of us will be daylight time or central daylight time, et cetera, uh, Pacific daylight time. And that is PDT. So spring and summer, we're on daylight time and fall and winter, we're on standard time. Um, I just see it get wrong a lot. So I figured I would just give you a little lighthearted fact. We appreciate the insights as always, Mr. Hodge. Breaking news, the South by Southwest festival that I cited at the beginning of this podcast has now been canceled. Um, Drop it. That's how fast stuff's changing, though. That's, that's how fast how, it's changing. That's exactly how fast it's changing. I can tell you that um, the cancellation of that festival on the local level here in Austin is a big deal. There's a lot of restaurants hotels, Airbnbs, ride-sharing services, um, strip clubs probably less so because of coronavirus, but that, 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 that are really going to be affected by um, the cancellation of this festival. And again, you know, I, I speculated at the beginning of this podcast whether or not it was the smartest thing in the world to have people from all over the world come to one central location. I'm glad they're canceling it. I think it's the safest thing um, for the local residents. And it's, uh, th th like you said, this is how fast things are changing. Everybody cowards. They should be ashamed. Paranoid. <laughs> That's all I got. Mr. Hodge. Do you have any, uh, insightful or positive stories or do we just want to say goodbye and let people enjoy the rest of their week safely? Hopefully wash your hands, everybody. Wash your hands, get your rice, get your beans. Don't forget the toilet paper. It's often overlooked. It is often overlooked, and when it hits the fan, <laughs> you want to make sure you're prepared. <laughs> That's it. I am Gerardo Del Real. This has been episode 60 of the Texas episode of Bizarro World, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. Nick, thanks as always. Thanks for the therapy session. Everybody have a great week out there. Adios, Gerardo. Adios, Senor Hodge. <laughs>